Hey, everybody. Welcome into the back room. I'm Andy Ostroy. Very excited for today's show. We have the good liars, Jason Selvig and Ram Stifler. But first, let me thank you for tuning in today. We appreciate you listening, and we'd love to hear your comments. So email us at backroomandy at gmail.com, and we'll read a few next time. So the good liars, Jason and Devram, they have years of political comedy experience and have cultivated a large audience with their unique brand of pranks and interviews. On their popular social media pages, they have garnered well over half a billion views. In their election comedy, Undecided, the movie, which is a really brilliantly funny movie uh, I recently saw, they pranked every presidential candidate. Uh, the rap called Undecided a gem, and, and uh, it may be the funniest movie you haven't seen yet. They filmed at major events, including uh, Washington, D.C. on January 6th, CPAC, the Republican National Convention, the Iowa caucus, QAnon conferences, the March for Life, and of course, a lot of uh, Trump rallies, and recently the 2023 NRA conference. All right, the good liars, Jason and Devram, welcome into the back room. Thanks, Thanks for, for having us. us here. I am a big fan of your work, of your body Thank of you. work. I love it. Uh, <laughs> and so I want to start with who are you guys? Take me back to childhood. <laughs> Did you know each other as, as, as kids? I guess when we became young, when we were young adults, we met each other. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think our friendship at first was just based on playing basketball together. We played basketball together and pickup games around the city for, I don't know, a couple years and maybe filmed like one or two like comedy sketches together and performed at some of the same shows. Devram was, was performing at some of the shows that one of my good friends, John Anderson, was performing at, and we met from there. So it started with basketball, really. And yeah. it, on the basketball court, maybe is where we learned our chemistry, or, mm -hmm. or lack thereof, I'm not sure. So, and then and then it moved, and then in, in 2011, we did our first video together that was like in the real world, which was at Occupy Wall Street. Right, Occupy, Occupy. Wall Street. That's right. Exactly. Yeah, we, we go. got thrift store suits, went down there, and you know people thought it was real, and that was kind of the beginning of this comedy in the in the real world. Where did each of you guys grow <laughs> up? What was your family like? Are, are you from a family of liberals, Republicans? Like, were you always interested I, in this kind of stuff? No, I grew up in Western Colorado, but my my parents, my dad was from Denver, my mom was born in Morocco, and oh. uh, they ended up meeting in in Paris. Moved to Grand Junction, Colorado, that famously now Lauren Lauren Boebert's district. Mm. Uh, and I, I, my parents are a little bit conservative, but which I didn't realize growing up. Uh, but you know, spending a few years in the New York comedy scene and getting to know Jason and finding uh, our way into the stuff we did, I, you know, my views kind of crystallized a little bit. So definitely different views in the family there, which makes this all but Devon, that you, much you missed more the most important part. From you, you were you were high school sweethearts with Lauren Boebert. You guys went to prom. Yeah. I did. I, you know, I found that in my research. Yeah. There's some photos. Yeah. I, I'm not going to publish them because they're really embarrassing. No, come on, public. But she's holding your AR-15, and I I don't want to go there. It's a little creepy. Yeah. Well, that was my gift to her. Uh -huh. And yeah, were you open uh, carry prom? Right. <laughs> and were you always into the comedic thing, uh, performing when you were nine years old? Were you like little Rupert Pupkin dreaming of being on <laughs> set one day? I did some uh, speech and debate stuff in high school, which the first couple of years of high school. So I did like nerd comedic interpretation where you basically just kind of, you know, do a monologue. And I got pretty far in that, but 
I would say by, you know, junior year of high school, I'd given up on all that was, was into a sports thing, play, you know, went to college and then didn't get back into it, but I was in New York and was right next to a comedy club that was called Rafifi. Now it's like a Buffalo exchange. Did you say Kofifi? Rofifi. Oh, Rafifi. <laughs> but Kofifi would have been amazing. That, that would have been, been amazing. Prime. Yeah. yeah, but I was just hanging out around there and all these, you know, these, these amazing comedians and then just got a restaurant job. And I, I think we thought I was going to try my hand at this for a little bit. See how it went, but that was, you know, over a decade ago. So. Mm-hmm. And Jason, what would really make this part of the interview uh, crazy is if you told me you grew up in Georgia in Marjorie Taylor Greene's county. <laughs> well, close actually. I I grew up in Louisville, Kentucky, uh, near Mitch McConnell. So uh, there we go. There wow. is there, there is some. Uh, yeah, I I, I, w- I grew up in Louisville and then moved to Florida when I was about fifteen. Uh, and my dad was my my principal at my school. He was the principal at my school of the high school of the school I was at for my own entire life. And then moving to Florida, he was my principal there. That sounds either it was in Florida that- where I. That sounds either either great or horrifying. <laughs> well, you know what? It was always it was like kind of like what I knew through my whole life. So it it never felt like weird to me until I moved to Florida when I like because I had my identity as who I was at this school because I'd been there for so long in Louisville. When I moved to Florida, I was a you know I'm in high school. I moved to a new place, a li- no literally no one, and I am just the principal's kid. When I moved, didn't you refuse to stand for the anthem? Wasn't that part uh, of your experience? And your dad was the principal? I'm no, sure. I don't. He loved that. I would, no, no. I, I actually refused to stand for the Pledge of Allegiance right, right, at right, school right, assembly. Right. And my dad was like, <laughs> On what grounds? I was, like, on, I was really into like on, punk, hardcore music. And, on what uh, grounds did you really refuse? Like, why? No, you didn't know why. Because just... I'm not, no, no piece of flag is going to tell me what to do. Mm-hmm. You know, no piece of cloth is going to tell me what to do. I'm, I'm my own man. I really don't even the know. God I mean, at all. It wasn't the God part. It wasn't. It was the. I. I. It. It had something to do with, with like the, how I thought I felt politically about something, but I really had no opinions probably at that point. Um, but I got ended up my like way into this world kind of was like I started getting into like theater, uh, and acting at the time, and ended up going to college for it. Um, and so then when I when I moved to New York, I like I was doing comedy and auditions you know for tv shows and and stuff like that and then this kind of happened like in the middle of that like it kind of became my focus and things were like kind of going pretty good too you know i was like having a lot of screen tests for like sitcoms and things like that and then we started doing this this crazy thing which was much more fulfilling not not filling of my wallet but fulfilling like (laughs) uh, artistically i guess right um so we've been We've been kind of doing that ever, ever, ever since we we did that first that first video at, at Occupy Wall Street, and on uh, and off. I mean, it wasn't like a full time job at that point, but your your own politics. I don't want to ask what might seem to be a dumb question, but you guys are a couple of liberals. So... Are you reading our comments? Are you, yeah, who's, who's, where did you get this information? <laughs> How are you getting in my DMs? That's crazy. So, am I correct in assuming you guys are pretty strong liberal progressive types? I mean, I I would say I definitely lean left, and I've I've leaned farther since you know 2016, but I'm not like I, I I'm not beating the drum for the, the 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 Democratic Party. I'm I've never felt that I'm 
want to be like a uh, or both of us be like a megaphone for the the Democratic Party. I do think that there was like we, a we lesser definitely two like our, yeah a lesser two evils kind of thing. And then when we got really started doing this more full time in the lead up to the twenty sixteen election, I think we went at it like let's give everybody a hard time and create funny moments with candidates on both sides. But just as the as the years have gone on, it's just been you know that the lesser two evils thing like okay we're, we're picking who we're gonna go talk to and what there is to make fun of and call out it seems to be quite a bit more on one side than the other right and so my next yeah. question i pose this as a jew myself uh sitting in a studio with two fellow jews the ram you are right. jewish right so right. so you are the soros backed liar if i may say that <laughs> right well i share the money yeah, well, that when it, when, that's what I want to ask you. I was, and I want you guys to be honest. I get the Bezo bucks. Like, how so, much is George paying you guys to do this? George, if you're listening, pay yeah, us. If you're will, listening, we will gladly yeah. take the money. What do you make of this whole Soros back thing? It's like when I was a kid, and like someone wanted to make fun of me, they'd call me a dirty kike or something. But like today, you don't need to say kike. All you just say is Soros backed, and it's the same thing. It's as if other billionaires don't get try and get people elected it's just like an excuse to to say a slur so where did the good liars name come from the good liars name came from we were trying to think of a name um for the show when we were pitching a, a show when we like kind of like in the first year of us being together and we kind of like met like we came up with a couple ones that we weren't really happy about and then i was watching a movie it was the night Whitney Houston died. I remember that. It really has nothing oh. to do with the story, except for oh, I remember that. We all. And there was a movie called Safe House with Denzel Washington and uh, Ryan Reynolds, which is not a memorable movie. But I saw it in the theater, and there was a line in it where he says, like, you're a good liar or something like, you know, not saying any, like, double meaning to it, just like saying you're a good liar. And I thought, oh, that there was like a double meaning to that that could work for us because the whole plan, you know, we we were at the time, it was more like we were pretending to be people we weren't and going in and like kind of say, saying the quiet part loud of mm-hmm. a lot of people like we did at Occupy Wall Street and some of the other things we did at the time. And I was like, oh, that that, that works. And mm-hmm. it kind of it's so simple that and it, and it kind of says it and there's like a double meaning to it. So you can thank Safe House. The movie Safe House. I, I wasn't yeah, expecting that iconic. I wasn't expecting to hear Denzel Washington as the reason. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I don't remember anything about that movie really, except for Whitney Houston dying, learning about it right before, and that one line, which I think is is in an actual Safe House at the time. Yeah, so. and it's a great name. Yeah, you guys picked a good one. And so you mentioned Occupy Occupy Wall Street, and you also did some stuff like with Church of Scientology, and it was more corporate-y, business-y. When did the shift come, or, or is that an obvious question? Was it 2015 and 16 with the Trump craziness, which I guess was like handed to you on a silver platter? Is that when the shift, more political stuff occurred? I Definitely, I think, right, Jason? I mean, we, we set out to uh, go to a Donald Trump rally. We thought this guy was going to be out quickly, as most people did. And we couldn't believe anybody, you know, cared and was showing up to these things. We had some plan. I forget exactly what it was. We're in the front row of this rally and we started to get really bored. We started to really genuinely get really bored. We 
waited in line. We'd seen speakers come up. We saw, you know, him come up and he started droning on about like everything that, you know, the same speech we'd, we'd seen on TV a few times. And so we started yelling at him like he was boring. And then that, you know, that video kind of happened. And that was at the very beginning of 2016, right? Or January, Jason? Yeah. And then it was like, okay, this, this, the longer he stayed alive in the campaign and of course, eventually, you know, became the president. There was no reason to quit. Oh yeah. I remember also, that. Yeah. He yeah. You remember that? that? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Things a little bit of trivia there. Yeah. And, and so we, you know, we, we continued it in that campaign and ended up coming out with a movie that we got out a couple of weeks before the election and just assuming that he was going to lose. In fact, up to the point of going to Trump tower on election night, thinking we were going to get a chance um, to call him a loser when he walked by. And then it was like, you boy, know, he fooled you, he, didn't he? Yeah, he did. <laughs> the joke and was he, on us. Yeah. The joke was <laughs> on us that other night. people. So it slowly dawned on us that the joke was on us at the Trump Tower bar and we, we left. Um, but yeah, I, I think over the course of those few months, it like kind of, you know, became clear that this is where, what people cared about, what we cared about. And there was just kind of endless fodder there, I guess. And I have a few, it was, it, I'm sorry, go ahead, Jason. No, I was just going to say it was, it was like a way, like, you know, with, with anything, with anybody who's like going out either in comedy or art or whatever movies it's like kind of like finding our identity and things and 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 starting out and i think at starting out we were we had some ideas of, of how we felt about things but they weren't crystal clear and there was like a feeling out period where we were going out and and just seeing what works and i think that's the, the only reason we've had any success is just we've been willing to go and do stuff and try <laughs> try different things right well um, it's like anything else but i will say we we still go to we still go to church of scientology try and film there uh once every couple of years well, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The, the the same people are always there it's, it's actually gotten sadder as you are you like on a watch list in certain places by now like they're like yeah, oh there's, there's those two guys again yeah. right we know you guys and then we always pretend we know them back <laughs> hey marcus how's it going <laughs> so i yeah, got a few process questions i want to ask you is there any official delegation of duties between you guys that we don't see at home when we watch your videos? Like, like who has to hold the camera on this rally interview or who has to ask the questions or anything like that? Well, no. it depends on the time, you know, like yeah. I guess this, this, we went to the NRA this year and last year I did a speech and Devram hadn't done a speech. So it was a quiet understanding between the two of us that Devram yeah. was going to be the guy to go up there this year. So we're we're even. Not to mention that. you were you were you were pretty. I was followed. Recognized. Yeah, I was <laughs> followed when I walked in the room. So that that would have been tough for me to get up there anyway. But I don't know as far as process. I mean, we try and work together on stuff and like have some. I mean, it's pretty even. I think when mm -hmm. we go out for the most part, like save a couple trips where one of us does more than the other or something like that. Uh, I think of, whenever we're on camera together, we kind of fall into these roles we've developed and kind of have played in our movies, different versions of like Jason being the high status guy who's actually got a lot of problems and me being the guy who, uh, you know, is like really wants to connect with everyone and, but it's kind of sad somewhere in there and like in, in our, in both of our films. And I think when we interact with people, there's like this, this back and forth that we can kind of create in funny situations and, and throw people off and get them to respond in interesting ways. 
I think we have found that, like the fact that we go to these things and do a lot of interviews one-on-one means that we, yeah, we we just have to create the comedy with ourselves and our Mm -hmm. interview subject usually. And how big is the Good Liars team? Is it, is like, again, we only see you two guys on camera, but is there, you know, other people that travel with you? It depends. It depends. You know, like we've done, we've done some movies and uh, we've done some shoots and I would say like the, the building of the Good Liars, you know, a, a lot of times we go out now, it will be just the two of us sometimes. Um, but there's also like guys that we've worked with and um, I say guys, but women, men that we worked with. Um, that have shot for us for years, uh, Peter Barr, Peter Richardson, Charlotte Kaufman, like people who are really talented, who, who have helped us throughout the years. And, uh, so it really depends, depends. And it, it depends also on like what we're going out to do, you know, like mm-hmm. if you go out, like some of the, the pranks we were doing for the movies, um, you, you need more than one person. You, you can't just have like a cell phone and, and film them because right. it's, it's a little, a little tougher to especially when you're i mean they are high stakes things you you want to make sure you get it right because mm-hmm. the 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 candidates don't usually let you do a second take right. hey embarrass the out. shit out of me again <laughs> <laughs> yeah i would imagine that you don't get that opportunity and what is the turnaround Although time? we've tried <laughs> i'm sure you have we've done it we remember that day it's a long time ago i got on stage with ted Cruz, and then later that day we went to another Ted Cruz rally and they stopped us at the door and we had fake glasses on. We were like, no, no, no. We saw those guys earlier. They weren't wearing glasses though. Yeah. Uh, totally different guys. Totally different guys. So we, yeah. We, we saw tried. Them. What's your turnaround time to shoot, edit, post? Is it really tight? Well, usually the like, next day something yeah, comes out and then it's like over the course important. of the next like week or 10 days or two weeks to even. Mm-hmm. If we're not traveling yet, especially that a few more will come out, but definitely something timely, usually some editing in a hotel room or airplane. And if, even if it needs to come out later that day, it does sometimes, but usually, you know, the next day, a video or two. Cause I have this image of you guys racing back in your rental car to a motel six with a pizza and sitting till like two o'clock in the morning, editing and posting and getting it, getting it done. Is, am I way off or is that kind of. No, that's that actually it. is pretty accurate. As sometimes it. I try yeah. not a Motel Six, like uh, maybe a Hampton Inn, someplace mm. that has a free breakfast. They've got free breakfast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. waffles you make yourself—that's pretty important. No, I was yeah. gonna say because like sometimes free breakfast just means that continental breakfast with like a box. It's of, not a good. Box of special I don't case want, cereal. This is not. Which actually, I'm. That's all I really want in the is a couple boxes of cereal in the morning. Mm. Wake up and but the the problem and this is gonna be kind of a. I'm going to turn off the highway here for a second. The problem with these places is the coffee isn't very good. So you right. wake up in the you morning still and have it's to just stop water somewhere. and coffee. Exactly. Exactly. If they had a nice cup of coffee, I'd be totally happy with just having a couple boxes. How, how Anthony and Sweets, if you are listening. But how far yes. is it to have good coffee? Should this really be a problem in 2023? It seems nearly impossible <laughs> at every one of these places. That's the thing, right? Well, I, I, think any... it's, I think it's a caffeine thing. I... I worked for, I got fired two days after I started this job, but it was like waiting tables at this, it was like a retirement community place that had like a fancy restaurant in it. And they said, they're like, here's, you put, there's two things of coffee and one of them's orange for decaf and one of them's regular, but they both were decaf because like they don't want the older people to have too much caffeine because it can be really bad for their heart. So I think it's just 
they don't want to do that because they don't want somebody to like drop dead or something like mm. that. I always judge free breakfast. Like if bacon is part of the package, then it's good. If there's no bacon involved, then it's not the worthwhile free breakfast. Depends um, on the place though. Fair. Depends on the, yeah. sometimes the, it's very rubbery. I don't know. Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of talking myself out of this Hampton Inn thing now. The more I talk about it, so. I mean, as I much know. as I could sit here and talk to you guys about free breakfasts and cheap motels, we have to move on. How do you choose where to go? It depends. I mean, sometimes people send us suggestions, like, "Oh, this is happening here, uh, in my town, or whatever." And mm -hmm. uh, a lot, I mean, a lot of the times, I mean, candidly, like a lot of the stuff is at a Trump rally, and we, right, you know, you see where they CPAC are, or something whatever, like that. right, mm -hmm. right, right. Yeah, Trump rally, CPAC, like the NRA, and then when, when uh, you know, these campaigns are starting to ramp up, there are these these random campaign events. So mm -hmm. like, Jason gave Herschel Walker a roll of condoms at a little speech there. Like those things are just like, all right, these people are out and about, let's go. And then you know, sometimes it's not like we've been out like every other weekend recently, so it's not like which event so much as like, okay, that's a weekend we can go, let's pick what's happening like mm -hmm. what's the most appealing and we're there and when you go to a trump rally are you looking for a specific type are you looking for the craziest you know with like the hat and the jacket and all that crap or are you trying to find like the sane trumpster in this crowd and let's see if we can talk to that person and get some logic out of them i i think the book like you can't judge a book by its cover is true with this because sometimes we'll talk to somebody who is dressed up in all trump stuff with like a Trump suit on with his face on it and they'll be the more reasonable than like mm. somebody that looks like they could have been like my third grade teacher. And then that person will be like, JFK Jr. is alive and Fauci was killed five years ago and they're all in Guantanamo. They're like, oh my gosh, this is totally out there stuff. <laughs> and then the person with the Trump stuff is suit on is like, I think we should have lower taxes. <laughs> and mm -hmm. you're like, okay, well, that's not the <laughs> craziest thing in the world. Wow, that's you nuts. Crazy. <laughs> Yeah, so yeah. It's, it's really like you never, Term you never know. Yeah. <laughs> like, you get shocked. Right, yeah. Like if you're talking to somebody and they say like, I'm concerned about term limits. Do you look at each other and go like, what the fuck? Yeah, seriously, term limits? A little, yeah. I, maybe that guy in Georgia, and everyone was so out there. This was a while ago, but he, he just stopped and he just really was telling us about term limits and it was a long conversation. We turned to walk away and like, I don't disagree with anything that guy said. <laughs> God, I yeah, have that checked that out, Tom. You, you might be becoming a, a, ma a maggot or whatever they're, they're called. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I'll see. If you're not by the time you're older, then you're stupid. What's the saying? But I think if you, that's different. If you're a liberal, if you're, if you're not a liberal, liberal when you're younger, you have no yeah, heart. No if heart. you're not a conservative when you're older, you have no brain. That is but I don't think they knew about the modern state of conservatives. No. When they wrote that. You're not a fascist when you're old. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. What percentage of the people you talk to are pretty crazy in the sense that we see at home when we watch your videos? 40%. For, what percent? <laughs> oh, okay. I was going to say 35. I mean, okay. I, I, I think it's, I mean, you, when, you, when you're looking at the, the stuff, it's like the sample audience like, I don't think it's representative of obviously like all Republicans in the country or people who identify as conservative or anything like that, or mm -hmm. even people that support Donald Trump, because it, they're, they're the people that would go to a campaign rally. Now, for Donald Trump, he he's, he gets a lot of people like there's 20,000 people that go to these things. Right. So like, the sample audience is, is smaller. Um, 
So you'd think that the people that really think JFK Jr. is there, they're going to show up there because they really think this stuff's happening. But then also some of the people are just people that, that live in the town there. And, you know, it's usually in a smaller town, not like super close to a city. So they're like, oh, this is an event for mm-hmm. presidents here. I want to go mm-hmm. see this. Well, I, I would think say it's like 40% around. is high, though. Like, I I think it's there are some people who just live nearby and it's like a rock concert coming right. to town and they're in a conservative area. But like, I would say like 40% of the people say something that is is really out there or or like, you know, the QAnon stuff. Or I guess that's just, fair. I was thinking just QAnon stuff. But yeah, mm-hmm. people will say like, the guy was like 100,000 people died from drag shows. Like he wasn't a QAnon, right. but that right. was like a, a really out there thing to say. When you're talking about any large group of people and saying like 40% of them will say something that will kind of blow your mind or be really terrible or really, you know, insane. You guys have moments when you're back at the Motel 6 and watching the footage and just look at each other and go, my God, that dude was just fucking insane. Like, are you shocked anymore by what you hear? Sometimes, but we have had these moments where someone will be like, JFK Jr. is alive. And then you'll be like, okay. And then what else? It's like, no, wait, that, that was just said. We got to dig a little deeper here, but I, I like watched myself hear something that, you know, a few years ago would have been totally out of the realm of, of possibility. And now it's like just passed it right by. So trying not to, to let that happen and to get numb to it is like an effort in and of itself because we've heard this stuff so many times. Yeah. I remember the problem was interviewing some guy and he was, he said something like, and Fauci was killed just, just last week in Guantanamo. And then DeVram's like, so tell us about Ukraine. And I was like, because he's like, he's heard it so many right. times. It's like, that's it's normalized. the craziest yeah. thing. He, like, by yeah. the way, he by the way, you guys. Biden's not the real president. <laughs> okay. Tell us some other issues that you think about. Uh, <laughs> you know, the, the, so, the right. So you, you have a baseline. Here. You have a baseline that you just know is happening. Uh, by the way, you mentioned JFK Jr. now like three times. Are you, are you actually saying he's not dead? Oh, no, he's not dead. He's alive. He's very much alive yeah. and well. He's living in Pittsburgh. He's assumed the identity of, uh, what's, what's his name? Vincent Fusca. Vincent Fusca. Yeah. That, mm, that's uh, who, that's who apparently, um, he is. And the camera wasn't rolling at this moment, but we asked him and he kind of like said, yes, and nodded that he's JFKJ. So I know people who don't know, lying. people don't know he's, this is a guy that some of the, some of the QAnon believers think is JFK Jr. And he's really like an accountant in Pittsburgh <laughs> who just like decked his car out in MAGA stuff in 2016 and has gone to like every Trump rally. And some, some people think that he is actually JFK Jr., which is like it, the most bizarre theory out there to me because it's like this JFK Jr. is just like driving in a van to Trump rallies now. Like with that. And this is how he chose to reveal himself was just yeah. by like, I mean, think about it. Putting on a fedora. Think and... about it logically. Yeah. JFK Jr. had this, yeah. you know, life living in Tribeca <laughs> with a beautiful wife, a great magazine that was launching. But he just secretly wanted to drive a van and live in Pittsburgh and be an yeah, accountant. Right. Exactly. I mean, it makes sense. That's, yeah. the, that's and, the American dream. Lose about eight inches of height and <laughs> start wearing a fedora everywhere. And he now he's like, he's like a revered, like, well, figure at these things so it, it changed from just he should he manages to show up early yeah. and stand near trump and now they're like he's on all these like little tour buses that are part of these these stops and he's at the pack and he's like 
you know, people like revere him. Um, and I think he just kind of smiled like, maybe I am, maybe I'm not. But I'm, I'm, like, like, I'm not saying if I'm not, it. you know. Yeah. But OK, so the obvious question, because this one thing of all the Q, all the Trump, all the MAGA things, all the shit that's out there. The thing that I find the craziest is this JFK Jr. thing. Where did it come from? Why JFK Jr.? Well, so like the QAnon, the whole Q thing, which is like incredibly dumb to begin with, there were people that would like interpret some of the things that he says in his like cryptic messages that he would drop on this message board that was full of porn and anti-Semitic memes. He would he would put these messages out and then people underneath it would speculate, who is this? Who could it be? And then somebody started speculating maybe it was JFK Jr. And they were listed all these clues so it was never QAnon that said it was it was just the people that followed him and then it just snowballed into them making these signs and then like somebody being like it is JFK Jr. and he's actually the vice president now it's going to be announced like that Pence is leaving and then when that never happened after Trump lost they were like he's actually still the vice president and and John F. Kennedy Sr. is the president was another one which is like Oddly enough, though, is it, it's kind of a similar group of people who said that Hillary Clinton had him killed in a plane crash. And then I think Marjorie Taylor started, Green. <laughs> yeah, like Marjorie Taylor Green was Marjorie that. Green. Yeah. But they, because I guess he was, he was going to challenge her for the Senate seat in New York and then mysteriously disappeared. And then I think it was very, very thrilling to think that, like, what if he was actually still alive and faked it and is like back for revenge? And it's really, really dumb. Have you guys ever been physically threatened? Like, anyone ever throw a punch? I mean, the magas seem like they're crazy, but they also seem like kind of an affable bunch when you interview them. Like, almost as if they don't know you're mocking the shit out of them. Because if they did, it seems like they would throw a punch, maybe. You had a punch thrown at you a a little bit uh, during the Tom Steyer event of all things. Tom Steyer, of all people. Uh, like, <laughs> yeah. interrupted him to, and this was like the silliest prank maybe we've ever done it's one of my favorites where like DeVram come Tom Steyer's giving a speech on stage and DeVram comes in and is like so funny Tom Steyer hit me with a car <laughs> and I don't know what to do and then I get up and say has this ever happened to you and it turns into like a lawyer commercial inside there and then I go up to Tom Steyer and I'm like hey let's cut a deal here like give me a billion dollars or a million dollars or two million or whatever and then one of the guys gets up and like tries to punch me in the stomach. One of the people uh, who was just like an attendee of the of the event. We had a we had a theory that they had paid some people to fill up the seats, and it was just <laughs> the guy knew you were like doing something wrong. But I don't think he was like a stire head, you know. No, he definitely wasn't. That was a funny uh, bit. I watched your your film Undecided last night, and I cracked up the whole time when I saw you walk into that room disheveled and saying you got hit in the parking lot i mean that that was a real laugh out loud kind of moment do you have a favorite video that you've done or two or three oh man there's a few i i love that one but we've already talked through it but i love that it uh the way it puts everyone on the spot and it just you would never see it coming and i like the ones that are that are a little more for comedy, comedy for comedy's sake, mm-hmm. like that. Uh, but I don't know, Jason. What comes to mind? My 
One of my favorite was when DeBrom accused Marco Rubio of stealing his girlfriend. <laughs> Again, it was just another one. Twice. Like, Twice. I know. It's messed oh, up. Oh, yeah. Oh, That's yeah. a lie. The Super That's Bowl a lie. party. I forgot about His that. reactions, yeah, he... by the way, were classic. Like, he was just like, what is happening here? He was one of the candidates that we saw a couple times. I've never heard him speak. I was like, he seems like a nice enough guy. You know, like, I, I he, he, he seen, and his reaction was always pretty funny to mm-hmm. the things. And he was also trying to counteract Trump being like, when somebody would do something to Trump's rally, he's like, kill him, do it, kill him, beat him up, guys, steal his coat. Yeah. He was trying right. to be like the reasonable one. I don't know if he'd be like that now, you know, but uh, that always makes me laugh because DeVron is just so earnest. <laughs> like, he's probably going to steal yours too. <laughs> uh, it always makes me laugh. Um, I'm trying to think of other ones that like, I, Trump is boring is fun just, just because it was like kind of the one that like started all of these us bothering politicians. But Trump's reaction was great because like he started off be like, hey, look at these guys. And then like a second right. later, he's like, throw them out. We couldn't believe like we were just any, any chant we'd throw out there. It was like it was a thing in his brain. He had to like repeat it and say it with <laughs> us. And we did that for a while. Uh, and then, like I said, we just actually got bored. Uh, I, but I love Jason's speech last year at the, the NRA. That was like the, you know, in, it was in Houston. Mm-hmm. Uh, Uvalde had just happened. It was so terrible and it was so like faithless that they were holding this convention and Trump and Ted Cruz were speaking at it. And it was like three hours away, like three days later and just like kind of the worst thing you, you could do. And vendors were pulling out and everything, but they like went ahead and did it. So I thought that that speech was like came at an amazing time. And I think got more people's attention to like what a ridiculous organization and, and how none of these people are thinking they're just so, you know, stuck on their guns and their second amendment at all costs. That, and I thought that, that, you know, tons and tons of people watched it. So I know, mm-hmm. I know it got people thinking. One of my yeah. favorites, uh, b- because it wasn't just comedic or, and it wasn't mocking. It, it, it actually made a real point is, uh, Jews control everything. When you w- walked from off camera and you're like, hey, 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 I'm a Jew and I control this park, you got to go. Like it, it was calling right. attention to the, the the stupidity of this Jews control everything thing. And you were like, well, OK, if I control this park, get the fuck out, you know. Right. And it was and a counterpoint. Work. Counterpoint. I would say maybe approved the guy's point that Jews control everything because he got him out of the park. He listened to DeVram. He didn't have to, though. Right. Who does control everything. He could have demanded to so... see the deed to the park, which he didn't. <laughs> but I, yeah, I, I was pulling enough strings that he had, he had no choice. He had to just leave. But people have pointed out that, you know, he was saying, he started off by saying, Jews own all the buildings in New York. He probably could have asked him about some of the ones that say Trump on them. But uh, anyway. Yeah. <laughs> and then, uh, that? that's funny. Jason, when you were interviewing the guy who you know slavery good or bad for or against and you gave him like a thousand opportunities to answer the question and he just couldn't it was funny but it was really also terrifying because you see in that moment this man is you you're begging him to, to give you the right answer and you say this is not difficult slavery bad like it's pretty much cut and dry and he couldn't do it and wouldn't do it wouldn't do it. He knew what he was doing, and that was the scary part. Yeah, that was that was uh, that was at the NRA convention last year too, and it was 
he was like there, like kind of yelling stuff or looking at the the counter protesters who like wanted gun control across the street. Yeah, yeah it was a very, it was a, it was a very scary when that happened. I don't I don't like confronting like the really ugly stuff. Mm. Like it doesn't feel good. Like to know that this stuff is real and out there. Um, like in t- 2016, we were at we went to an event that was called Gays for Trump in at the RNC in Cleveland, and it was with Milo Yiannopoulos. Mm-hmm. I think that's his name. Mm-hmm. And we, I'd never heard of him, and he's the stuff the like Islamophobic stuff he was saying, and uh, just it was it just I, he was saying stuff where I was like, oh my god, I'm at a hate event right now. This is insane and it, it really made makes me uncomfortable like i don't even thinking about it now like you your body gets like hot and you get sure i don't know but it's, i think it's as, a, a, as a fan of your work there are people at home that do appreciate when that happens i mean that's, that's it's a golden moment comedy sometimes really calls attention to the worst shit in america and and that's yeah. i think a, te- a testament to what you guys do in addition to the haha funny stuff Another one I liked is um, the guy who, you know, kitty litter, where he's like, he didn't see it himself. He, he heard it from someone who heard it from someone else. But like, it's so fascinating. We got a couple of these kitty litter videos, actually. I don't know which one you're talking about specifically. Jason just talked to a guy who actually asked him to look it up. So Jason looked it up in front of him, uh, which was pretty amazing. I, I talked to a guy who I kept saying, so you heard this? And he was like, yeah, that guy. Is. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, no, I mean, I heard it from a, a friend who, um, okay, so you're, but your friend saw it? Well, no, he, he heard it from a kid who, it, it was like, you know, over and over Chris, again. Chris think, Farley and Billy Madison. It's like, but yeah. you could imagine what it'd be you like. Could imagine, it, you know, know what it Yeah. Is. Uh, but like, saying with such assuredness and then ending with like, you know, the guy realizing kind of that he probably has never talked to anybody who has actually seen this happen. Another one of my favorites is when you guys were say, telling Biden that Jason, his girlfriend, broke up with him. You can see why your <laughs> wife left you. I'm beginning to see why your right, wife right, left Right, right, the wife. Yeah, that was a that funny was one moment. of those moments like you, you watch the debates, you know, with him. at the, the, This was like in the Democratic primaries before the... Because he, we, we... This is like how out of touch we were. We went to like a Trump rally in 2016 because we were like, we got to get a re- we got to get get him before he's out of the race. And then with Biden, we were like, we got to go do a thing with him early because he's probably going to drop out soon. And of course, he wins. But we did we did that. And like before that, I was like, oh, is he losing it mentally? You know, like you watch him in some of these debates. And when I like interrupted him and he looked at me, I was like, this guy's with it. This guy. Yeah. And then he like had that burn, and I was like, okay, he's, all right. He was kind of like. He was quick. Yeah. He was quick there. Um, it was. It was. It was. A, it was a funny moment. Who and were that you? was another one of those where it was very awkward because I we we sat there for two hours beforehand and I was like talking to the people next to me and then all of a sudden I stand up in the middle of the rally. And I gotta say, you guys, the balls that you have is admirable. I can't even <laughs> imagine doing the shit you've done in a room full of people. Like, are you? shaking on the inside when you do that or are you just totally not self-conscious at all like it's crazy that you have that kind of courage to do that stuff and take the consequences whether it's getting arrested or people throwing you out or somebody maybe trying to hit you i don't know if you say balls like it, i mean it balls is it lack of shame i don't know what is what is it both it, I, a little bit of both <laughs> but 
I do feel like, you know, I guess in the the recent ones that we've done that have been like that, um, like I like I have an Apple Watch now, and I like could see, oh, my heart rate has is has gone up <laughs> like thirty. 30 beats per minute before <laughs> doing these things like uh but we've done it, it it's it's funny because we've done done it you know probably each of us at least like 25 times at this point either together or separately and it's not it never gets easier it really isn't because really? like no situation is different like every situation is different mm-hmm. you not only have to think about your own safety you you have to think about the safety of everyone else there you never want to do anything that's going to like with anyone in danger, even if you're at a place you don't agree with anyone, mm-hmm. blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. You don't, you know, physical harm is like, that's just not, can't be part of the, part of the, the game. So it, it doesn't get any easier. It, it really doesn't. I don't know, Devram, if you have anything you want to add to that, but I, I, no, I mean, you know, and some of these, like, you know, once we, once we show up to a place, we know we're going to do it to some degree. So there, it's not like a should I or shouldn't I, it's just mm-hmm. like how and when. And we've had things that like don't work sometimes and don't, that no one sees probably. So I think part of it, part of it is like, we came all the way here. We're doing this thing. We waited here. We're, we're in, you know, we're at this place. We're in position to kind of do this thing. And there's like the, the added intensity is like, we just need to make sure it actually works too. Right. Right. So there's some like creative. I don't know, butterflies, I guess. It's mm-hmm. just like, is this the, is there a shot of me while I'm going to do this? And how's it going to work? And are we going to, you know, do we have cameras where they need to be? And, and so I, it's, it's all of it all at once. So I guess just to echo what Jason's saying, it doesn't get much easier, but it, it's, there are a few factors mm-hmm. at play mm-hmm. other than just like, oh, is someone going to punch me? Usually it's like all of it at once. And you mentioned before Ted Cruz and being on stage. How how do you get on stage with Ted Cruz? How does one get to stand next to Ted Cruz on stage? <laughs> well, it a lot of things board. have to go wrong yeah, in your life. Yeah. <laughs> a clipboard with a piece of paper on it and just kind of like like I'm supposed to be somewhere. It was 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 how the entirety of the plan there. We yeah. were like, okay, let's let's try and do this. And just look like an average guy who might be there, might work on the campaign, point at the clipboard and, you know, people step aside and I walk down stage. And I don't know, I don't know if things would be that way anymore. This is a few years mm-hmm. ago now. I think things might have changed a little bit. Still pretty intense there. And they were not happy. That and was your cute, cool as a cucumber way of doing it. Devram did it. And I had spent the whole morning throwing up because I ate some <laughs> bad food the night before. And then I saw him do that and I was like, I should get on stage. And then I just like walked up to the stage and like got myself on and immediately was grabbed. It's like we're talking about the videos that don't make it out. Mm-hmm. Nothing funny happened there except for a guy grabbed my jacket that had puke on it. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. That might have been funny. That's funny. Thing, but it was, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Yeah. Thanks, mate. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, also the like shooting with Rick Santorum, like he's standing next to you and you got a gun. Who lets that happen? That was that was a total accident. I mean, when we first we were with this guy Julio who directed the movie, we were like that was a first day of shooting, like with him and with the crew in Iowa. And like we we beat we beat it out like the whole movie and like the interactions we want to get with it, each presidential candidate, and he was one of them. And 
originally it was just like I was supposed to like go up to him and shake his hand and tell him something. And then I like knew they had to watch this video, so I I just was like, we gotta we're go- we gotta watch this video. And then he thought we were in charge, I guess, and we like sat and talked with him the whole time. And then it was the two of us, Rick and his daughter, and I think the people at the gun range quickly pulled us up a couple chairs for us, thinking that we were with him, but he thought we were with them. Uh, that was the first time I'd ever shot a gun and like held a loaded weapon or anything like that. So I was really thinking like, don't drop this don't like don't like get shoot your leg or like have something terrible happen and i remember thinking about turning and i like remembered i was like make sure there's no bullets in this gun and then i like turned around i wasn't like trying to be like super reckless i just didn't know how to be at a gun range and he was it was a funny moment had that little funny moment yeah so in our final minute or two here i want to have a little uh lightning round fun you guys ready for a little lightning round i guess we gotta be i love lightning all right Who's dumber, Eric Trump or Don Jr.? Eric Trump. Eric. Mm-hmm. Who's crazier, George Santos or my pillow guy? My pillow guy. Who's a shittier lawyer, Rudy or Sidney Powell? Sidney, I would say. Sidney Powell, yeah. She also could have fit into the crazy category. Who's more corrupt, Trump or Steve Bannon? Trump. Trump, yeah. Who's a bigger coward, Ted Cruz or Lindsey Graham? Ted Cruz. Ted Cruz. Hmm. Interesting. Well, are we not disagreeing on any of these? Yeah. More. Who's more evil, Matt Gates or Jim Jordan? Matt Gates. Go. I don't. I don't know. I, I, I'm going to punt on that one because I don't think I think both of them are just like opportunists that, and maybe that's an evil way of being. You're just an opportunist, but mm. you're gonna punt on the lightning round. Yeah, yeah, I'm punting. Yeah. That's so Jim lame. Jim <laughs> Who's got a smaller penis, Trump or DeSantis? I don't know. Are we talking length or girth or what all together? The full package. And I'm not asking out of personal experience, mind you. I just want to make that disclaimer. But okay, that's just fine. assumptions. Just like what you assume. Well, I'm just gonna say the opposite of whatever DeBrom says. Trump, DeSantis. Great. <laughs> You're a man of your word, Jason. Yeah. Wow. And last but not least, and this is a binary choice, guys. You have to answer. You have to pick one. Okay. You can't cop right. out. You can't say no comment. Who's hotter, Lauren Bobert or Marjorie Taylor Greene? We have to say one. Yeah. Oh, have to. I feel like this is I, a see, trap uh, question here. This is why I said what I had to say yeah. up front. You have to pick one. You have to go there. Frame it. Frame it in the. No, 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 who's no, no. More It's attractive a simple question. Who's hotter? Just say who's more attractive, and I'll, I'll answer. Nope. That one. Who's hotter? Hot is the key word here. <laughs> hot, like okay. Well, hot can mean a lot of different things. Yeah, hot, hot can mean, hot can mean like she's got a, a, wor- a worse temper. Are you guys lawyers in a prior life? Temper. Like you're really <laughs> evading <laughs> the. Uh... I and Mar- Marjorie Taylor Greene works out, and I think that's that's pretty cool. You know, she she takes care of business very seriously. You won't answer the question, will you? You just won't go Okay, there. so since DeBron <laughs> said that, I'm going to do the political thing and answer the opposite, and I'll say Lauren Boebert, just to even things out mm-hmm. so we're not just judging these women by by their appearance. Well done. Well, thank you, thank gentlemen. You. We're going to end on that note uh, for the listeners at home. I don't <laughs> think we got the answer to that question, but I, I understand why, and I can't say I blame you guys. Uh, thanks <laughs> for being so generous with your time. This was a lot of fun. I hope you'll come back. Yeah, definitely. Sure. It was a lot of fun. This is great. And keep making those videos. They're awesome. All right. Thanks, Ed. 
Take care, guys. Thank you. All right. Bye. Thanks, guys. That's episode 66. If you like what you've been hearing, and even if you don't, let us know. We appreciate the feedback. You can leave us a message at 845-307-7446, email us at backroomandy at gmail.com, or tweet to me at Andy Ostroyd. And when you listen, please take a quick moment to rate and review. It's very helpful. I want to thank my co-producer, engineer, and editor, Maddie Rosenberg, associate producer, Jen Hamoud, Cricket Langell for our artwork, Andy Hollander for our kick-ass music, Patricia Wind and the Epicurean for the Backroom Studio, and a big thank you again to our guests, the good liars, Jason Selvig and Devram Stifler. So keep your eyes on Washington, Hollywood, and your own backyards. And we hope you'll join us again next time. Have a great week.